0: Welcome to the
1: Two Grumpy Bastards podcast, where feelings aren't felt and snowflakes melt. Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. These confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc! Let's slip the dogs of war to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! They painted over Anne.
0: russ hello friend Coop. it has been a long time since we've done one of these uh uh highly produced highly amazing highly relevant uh uh podcasts of ours i'm sure all nine of our listeners are waiting eagerly they are i I heard from both of them actually (laughs) um, that they were eagerly anticipating another and uh you know i'm still uh still on my kind of the. uh um Open-ended road trip, but I'm staying at a friend's place right now, and uh, I have good, gr- really good Wi-Fi. It's a really beautiful little place, so I'm kind of excited. Huckleberry is dead asleep on a very comfortable bed behind me, so it's kind of nice. <laughs> and nice you're not to backing down. What's that? And you're not backing down. I am not backing down. There's some relevance to that. Before we get started, I do want to mention um, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, two grumpy bastards, merchandise.com is where our merchandise store is. We love the support over there and I will take the time to, to put up some more product. We have some good product. I think we have 1115, uh, something like that out there, everything from wine tumblers to coffee mugs, to t uh, t-shirts and tank tops. So far working on some more things. I did manage to get the two grumpy bastards Etsy store up and running yesterday. Um, So those of you that shop on Etsy, just look for the two grumpy bastards store. You can find our products and some different products on there too. A little bit more aimed at uh, not necessarily our listeners, but it's still under the two grumpy bastards uh, logo. Um, And then of course, uh, follow us on Facebook to Grumpy Bastards group or podcast group and then um, to Grumpy Bastards at Gmail dot com is the best way to get a hold of us to give us any ideas or issues. And then, of course, we're also on Instagram. I haven't done shit with our Twitter account in like a month and a half. So Neither have I. I, I, and I'm, I hate Twitter so damn much that I Twitter's I don't, a sewer.
2: I don't I usually don't get on it because it really is the the lowest gutter feeding
0: part it of society. Is. It's even, it's even, I've even noticed it's even worse than YouTube channel comments. It's even worse than fucking that. If anything can be worse than that, it actually is. So it's like, I guess I would say like YouTube channel comments are Satan's like a taint, but then Satan's anus is actually uh, Twitter. Yep. No, I completely agree with that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but it makes me laugh. So I don't care. Um, before we get into our next topic, I got, I, kind of a longish video to share with you, but I think it's going to, I kind of want to play this video for a very specific reason. I know you know this video well, um, but um, let me go ahead and just play the video. Then we can get into our first uh, fairly obvious topic of the day. So um, let me, I screwed that up already, but that's all right. Everybody expects this and I'm a little rusty. I I had a hard time with my keyboard pulling my computer out because I'm never on it anymore because I'm usually using my phone, but enough bullshit. Here we go. (laughs)
1: You see it? I want you to remember. That no bastard ever won war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Men, all this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to America.
0: Indeed it is. Indeed, it is. So um, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and let you start. I know we've this is going to prove to be one of the biggest news stories of the last 25, 30 years. What's going on with our situation in Afghanistan? Um, I'll just say this. I'll just make my my preface really, really brief. I'm horrified. I'm shocked. I'm disgusted. I'm embarrassed. Um, Not of the United States military. That's the reason I played that clip. Cause that's what it pertains to the war, the the soul of the warrior and the soldier in American history is still intact. Um, I've lost friends in Afghanistan. Um, I'm sure, you know, people, I know I, a lot of your, your service was in the Iraq theater, but I'm sure, you know, people, I would like to uh, see if we can get Jimbo back on for our second episode of the barracks to kind of discuss this, uh, this, cause he's got an extensive special ops uh, experience in Afghanistan and had a lot of experiences over there. I believe you got a second Purple Heart there, if I remember right. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'd love to get him back on. Maybe we can get him on in the next week to do another episode of The Barracks. Um, When I saw, you know, when I heard the news and the liar piece of shit, worst president in history, by the way, in just eight short months. He's proven himself to be literally the worst president in history in every way, shape, or form by every measurable. (sighs) Said, oh, it's going to be at least 60 to 90 days before we get out of Kabul. It took about 60 hours after he said that. I think somewhere in there. Um, I'm just kind of dead inside about this whole thing, to be honest with you. People like Antony Blinken need to be, uh, need to resign or be fired. I think the president, this 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 is an impeachment style kind of thing that should happen right now. I have so many thoughts and anger and I'm so fucking pissed off and I'm really pissed off. I will tell you this. And I'll, one last thing, I am probably most pissed off at these weak minded entitled leftist pussies that voted this administration in not solely jill biden's fault we've made mistakes in afghanistan since we went in under bush there's been some serious mistakes in the obama administration even in the trump administration but this disorderly this withdrawal and what has happened and what we were doing to the people that trusted us and believed in us that are probably going to be getting are getting butchered right now on streets by the taliban Russ, i don't even know where to go with it i don't even know where to go with my emotions on this
2: Well, um, so a few things First of all, going back to that clip um, Since George C. Scott made that speech In Patton, America has lost Two wars Mm -hmm. Um, And there's no getting around it, we lost Vietnam And we know that because now there's only one Country it was taken over by North Vietnam Mm -hmm. We have now lost Afghanistan And again, it's because the Taliban Have taken over the country again Um, I, I share your Emotions of disgust Honestly, I'm ashamed to be an American based on this yep. um, because we made promises and we ran away. Um, we will get into the geopolitical consequences, the global political consequences um, in a little bit, I'm sure. But we have abandoned an entire population and especially and specifically an entire gender to a lifetime of darkness and oppression Uh, where you said you're not ashamed of the United States military, let me caveat that. There's parts of the United States military I am ashamed of. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. The the part of the intel community, but mostly the brass, and I don't just mean the the most current brass, although Mark Milley, I guess if he had spent less time reading White Rage and trying to fight with Tucker Carlson and more time studying how to uh, conduct warfare and coin, which is counterinsurgency operations, Mm -hmm. maybe Avoided some of this. Um, But from uh, Mark Milley, going back to Stanley McChrystal, going back to David Petraeus, um, we have bullshitted our way through this. Um, We have consistently lied to the American people about what the conditions on the ground were and how things were going to go. We uh, completely abandoned. Uh, allies, interpreters, people who worked with us over there who are now going to be beheaded, who are now going to be executed. We have essentially lost 9-11 because, yeah, we went in there to clear out al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden, and we got that. But if anybody thinks the Taliban is not going to reopen the terrorist training camps, they're delusional. That's why we're going to have to go back in there, whether it be three years, five years, whatever, after the next spectacular attack and after Joe Biden is no longer in office. Uh, Joe Biden on this was a disgrace. Now, let me caveat this on a couple of different areas. First of all, I did think that there needed to be uh, some withdrawing from Afghanistan, but I was, always a comp- I was always a proponent of keep one or two brigade combat teams, some soft and some air power to conduct counter-terror operations. We might not be able to nation-build as much, but we can keep the Taliban from taking back over. Yeah. Now, the Taliban did not sweep back into power based on grand military moves and you know just incredible strategic thinking. A lot of what they did was they paid off Afghan military commanders who were in their way, who didn't just lay down their arms and said, okay, we've been paid off, come on in. Um, that demonstrates part of the corruptness of some of the senior leadership over there. A lot of the Afghan soldiers were incredibly brave, incredibly uh, tenacious fighters, but when your leadership doesn't pay you and doesn't feed you, and doesn't equip you, it's hard to stay in the trenches. Now, again, let me say I was never in Afghanistan. I went to Iraq three times, but I've had a lot of friends in Afghanistan. Um, I, I've lost friends of mine in Afghanistan, whether uh, Major Larry Bogus or uh, Major Doug Lebof, uh Friends of mine who, who went over there believing what we were over there for and lost their lives and now it appears like it's for nothing because the exact same murderous theocratic and primitive regime that we thought we kicked out 20 years ago almost 20 years ago is now back in power and there's no way to sugarcoat that except to say that it's a loss yeah yeah Uh, unfortunately you're right now like i said I, i don't necessarily first of all i don't agree that the trump administration should have started negotiating with the taliban to begin with i I will concede that point because I think even negotiating with the Taliban grants them a legitimacy and kind of acknowledges that that they should be the one, the primary ones who are opponent and we should be granting them the legitimacy of coming back to power at some point. So I didn't agree with that. That said, um, the Trump withdrawal would have been probably a little bit more orderly. And if something had happened, I have a little doubt that he would have sent uh, in other uh, assets to to quell that. Um, Joe Biden. When if you watched his speech, he said, I accept responsibility, but Trump made me do it. Um, You know, JFK did not do that with the Bay of Pigs. Now, JFK did not provide the Cuban revolutionaries that were trying to take down Castro with the proper air support. Um, So he did push out in that way. But at least he owned it at the end of the day and said, yeah, you know what? I fucked it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Biden was like, you know, we lost. It was all Trump's fault. Uh, I stand by my decision, but Trump put me in a bind. That's bullshit. Jesus. Christ. B- Joe Biden has withdrawn or changed the policy, changed every Trump administration policy he could from withdrawal from the WHO to getting back into the Paris Climate Accords to the Iran nuclear deal, all kinds of shit. And this one he wasn't going to alter. That's bullshit. They they tore up part of the original agreement. Now, one thing, you know, the original agreement did not account for. And if Joe Biden had a lick of common sense or anybody in our senior military establishment had a lick of common sense, you don't actually conduct this uh, withdrawal until the end of October. Conducting it in the middle of fighting season just opens the door for the Taliban to roll right in. Nobody launches winter offensives in Afghanistan if they had waited until the end of October to withdraw and complete the withdrawal. It would have at least given the Afghan government and the Afghan armed forces four or five months to consolidate, kind of gain their footing before the spring fighting season around the end of March. So just from a tactical perspective and looking at it from a perspective of judgment, you know, Joe Biden was supposed to be, we're bringing competence back to Washington, D.C. This is the biggest fuck up that I have seen in foreign policy in since probably since the fall of saigon and let's not forget that joe biden was also the one advising president obama not to go into pakistan and take out osama bin laden that's documented he told him not to do that because he didn't feel it was right he didn't feel the intel was right we could have lost a lot of guys basically joe biden has got balls about the size of bb's you know I, i know I know 10 year olds that are braver than he is when it comes to making policy decisions. Um, He should have, the moment it, it started to go poorly, he should have ordered back in uh, the uh, brigade, the ready brigade from 82nd airborne and the quick reaction force from the U S Marines. He should have sent our air force back in, put a carrier off the coast of Pakistan to overfly the country. Um, And the other thing that he did and this goes back to the difference between amateurs and professionals. Um, amateurs think in terms of tactics, professionals think in terms of logistics. Well, what were some of the first things we withdrew from Afghanistan? The maintenance techs, the yep. folks you know, repairing the close air support. And let's not forget that when we trained the Afghan army, we trained them to work in conjunction with close air support. If your attack aviation and your close air support aircraft are not operational you can't have close air support and if you don't have the maintainers to replace parts to refuel to rearm then that equipment is basically useless joe biden has shown he has absolutely no military acumen um he has he has squandered he has reduced the level of pride or admiration in the u.s military now millie and donahoe and some of those other fuckers up there have not helped by looking like a bunch of woke morons while they should be worried about how to kill the enemy instead of, oh, let me figure out the latest latest woke karate out there. But he, he was saying that he overruled the generals and then the president in waiting Kamala Harris bragged about how she was the last person in the room when the decision was made to basically fuck over our friends and abandon our allies in Afghanistan and, I mean, I don't know if you want to go into it now, but the geopolitical
0: consequences from Ukraine to Taiwan are going to be enormous. Yeah, let's get into that here. I just wanted to just piggyback on a couple of things that you mentioned for people who don't understand the situation in our in our strategic view of our fight against terror. I actually did a little research from what I could dig up. We currently have troops stationed in 108 countries around the world for our um, the global fight against terror and other uh, coin and other types of, uh, of missions going on 108 countries. That's as close as I could find to find anything. I know it's over hundred, let's just say over hundred. It's, it's it's give or take a few either way, depending on the day and the operation. Yeah, so we've been in, we've been in places like uh, Liberia and fucking uh, Sudan and some of these other countries for decades. Um, so um, the whole idea of all well, we shouldn't be in Afghanistan, we need to pull completely out is, is a, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a fucking false premise because uh, yeah, do we accomplish our initial goals there? But what, like you said, amateurs think think about tactics, logistics, and part a big part of logistics is or a big part of strategic thinking is knowing your logistics, and uh, that's a huge part. It's probably a bigger piece than anything. Um. Yeah, the, the withdrawal. I, I wasn't even aware of that until God, a couple of days ago when I was looking into that. We withdrew all these contractors that were actually keeping, you know, the uh, the air power and the support up there. So that actually accounts for a lot of the Afghanis not having what they needed to fight against the Taliban was just and the we, lack of support and material. And we did the same thing to the South Vietnamese because we were so tired of the Vietnam War.
2: We withdrew material support from the South Vietnamese army, but the Soviets and the Chinese did not withdraw material support from the North Vietnamese army. And that's how they rolled right into Hanoi. I'm sorry, right
0: into uh, Saigon. Excuse me. One other, one other fact that I factoid, I want to put out that people don't understand the situation who like you, like you said in a, in a post that I really appreciated when you were attacking some civilian people who had the we attitude and we shouldn't be doing this. There hasn't been a combat related death to American personnel in Afghanistan for over 18 months. So calling it a war zone is the dumbest motherfucking thing I can think of. More people die in one weekend in Chicago than have died in the last three and a half years in Afghanistan. So, yeah, go, go fuck yourself. Well,
2: let's let's also remember the folks who are saying this, for the most part, they're not tired of war. They're tired of hearing about war. They have not been to war. When they right. When I hear all this, we can't remain in Afghanistan. Who is we, motherfucker? You haven't done a damn thing except sit on your ass and feel bad about watching images on TV. Um, Some folks say, well, we can't do it everywhere. You're right. We can't do it everywhere. But you know what? We were there. Being there creates obligation. We've been in South Korea for 70 years. They've gone through some horribly tyrannic and despotic regimes. But we were there to keep North Korea and China from overrunning them. Right. Um, Being on the ground. Granted, we might not be able to we might not think it's a good idea to go into North Korea right now, to go into Venezuela, to go into, you know, some uh, sub-Saharan country that's that's on the verge of something. But once we are there, we are obligated. It's like it's it's the difference between asking someone to the prom and not doing anything or you're at prom and then you ditch them. Right. Right. It's that's that's the way it is. And it's just absolutely pathetic. That, like you said, we did not have it. We hadn't had a combat death in about 18 months. And even if we had, I mean, it was very it was very low scale. Our our mere presence was keeping things from completely collapsing and that we can't spare one or two combat brigades and some close air support and some soft forces. And again, I speak as someone who deployed over the years and I didn't like to deploy away from my family. But you know what? That was my job. And these people who are feeling bad because other people who they've never met are going over there and securing people's rights so that women don't have to wear wear hoods all the time and little girls aren't getting acid thrown in their face for going to school. I don't want to hear jack shit from them about how we shouldn't be somewhere. Tell you what, get off your ass, go to the recruiting station, and then you can start talking about we. I'm a big proponent of civilian control of the military and not being the, you know, let's criticize, you know, let's, let's make sure civilians can't criticize. But at the same time. You know, stop acting like a spectator. If you're that involved, if you want to be that involved, actually get involved. Uh, Don't just say, well, I'm tired of seeing it on my TV and it makes me feel bad before I have to go watch,
0: you know, the next episode of The Cube or some shit. Roger that. You know, and that that was another point I wanted to bring up before we talk about the global aspects of this. You're looking at a you're looking at a um, uh, I like to call it a regime because the leftist is a regime. It's not. To me, anything else you're looking at a regime who preaches compassion, feminism, include inclusion, you know, all that kind of thing, which we we know now. I mean, they've revealed themselves. The, the chickens have come home to roost. They're just a bunch of money hungry, race baiting, fucking whatever baiting motherfuckers who are angry because daddy's always right. And they know daddy's always right. The amateurs and the children are in charge of the school. And this is what fucking happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you vote for amateurs, when you vote for children to run fucking things because the adults are not there and this is what happens party time candy highs you know running around fucking you know putting firecrackers up cat's asses that's what's going on right now and, and you're not, looking let's not
2: forget that they also they also their biggest thing in afghanistan in the last few months was making sure that the pride flag was thrown was flown from the american embassy on the fucking Geneva. embassy
0: yeah and yeah instead the of the embassy about, airlifted out of yeah yeah that one Yeah. Instead of reequipping
2: the Afghan forces or keeping the Taliban at bay, we were worried about making politically correct statements. You're right. It's children. This is this is freshman college students who went to their first who went to their first social justice seminar and suddenly think, oh, my goodness, I've got all this great woke knowledge. And that's what that's what that is. That is children in charge
0: and don't understand how the world works and they can be mad about hearing that but that is the truth oh fuck them all i am so done i'm so done i'm to the point now where if, if if that's your attitude or if that's your voting record get the fuck off of your pedestal get the fuck out of the country and realize what you've done realize the damage you've done to the next couple of generations you know i put i just put a i put a meme up on our on our uh, facebook group that talks about you know the what fiddling while Rome burns and it's uh, Kamala and uh, Joe and basically everything, the economy and social justice and Afghanistan, uh, everything has been blown up by these idiots, everything. And yep. uh, our foreign policy is in disarray. I don't think there's a strategic foreign policy vision at all. I got, you know, obviously Trump had his foreign policy vision was we're going to let everybody know that America has a big fist again. And, Tread lightly, you know, the the kind of the Teddy Roosevelt approach to things. Um, obviously, Reagan, Bush and the other Bush had some strategic vision, whether you agreed with it or not. There's obviously Reagan did and he won the goddamn Cold War because of it. Obama did not have one. He okay. made things much worse and us much weaker. And then old man comes along his crony and takes the Obama administration, which at least had some restraint. There was some restraint in the Obama administration and blew that right the fuck up. And said, hey, I'm going to take off whatever governors I have on this car and I'm just going to race it straight into a goddamn brick wall going 200 miles an hour. And that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. There's no way to logically argue that. And I don't know what kind of disease is in the brain of these people where they can just write this off. Are you kidding me? Women are being stoned to death for not walking with a with a man. That People are being shot in the streets in Afghanistan right now for being our helpers. And that's okay with you. That's okay with you. You sick son of a fucking bitch. I hope, I hope you go to hell and you are and Satan comes at you with a rusty cheese grater and you know where it's going. You know what orifice that's going up. I hope they have that for eternity. I'm that pissed off Russ. I'm sorry, but I am, I am. Yeah, it just I, makes I think me, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. It, it is a
2: complete lack of strategic vision. Um, it's, you know, yeah. Trump had some mean tweets. Damn, i But he, <laughs> Trump, may have tweeted some mean things, but he did have a strategic vision. Yeah, um, I think uh, Joe Biden is more groping in the dark and hoping that that no one bothers us, um, and, and that's just not the way the world works. He has made the world more dangerous with what he more, has done. Far, far fucking more. All right. you mark. I put this on Facebook a couple of times. You mark my words. Taiwan is going to fall by the end of the year. Absolutely. The Chinese are going to take Taiwan. I'm not taking that bet. The, the signal that Joe Biden has sent around the world is, hey, we are not going to stand by our allies. You do whatever you want. And folks have said, well, if, he, if China tries to take Taiwan, that's World War Three. And I'm like, no, it isn't. Biden ain't going to do a fucking thing. No, of course Biden he's not. not going to do anything uh, to to stop the Chinese. He wouldn't do anything to Putin if he wanted to take more of Ukraine I mean, shit. He got into bed with Putin over the Nord Stream two pipeline. You know, cracked down on our own Keystone pipeline and rescinded the uh, the permits and permissions in Anwar. But then he's going to cozy up to Vladimir Putin for Nord Stream and start and beg OPEC to open up the the spigot, the oil spigots. Ugh. It's yeah. It, I don't want to hear anything about compassion. They don't have compassion. Um, they have. Talking about compassion, um, as I think there may be as some, a tool of manipulation. That's what it is. That's all it is. One of the things that's and I think this will come back to roost in 2022 and 2024. Usually what happens is people get tired of the Republicans being, you know, mean and, uh, you know, kind of more matter of fact about stuff. That's more it. practical. You mean? You mean pragmatic? I'm yeah, sorry. Well, they, say, they say we, we need to pronounce be pragmatic. <laughs> we need to be nicer. Let's elect the Democrats. They're nice. Why did we ever
0: stop electing Democrats? Then Democrats get in charge and they're like, oh, yeah, that's why we stopped. electing." Because Democrats. they're complete and utter fucktards when it comes to actually making good decisions. They are complete. They
2: are completely incompetent. Um, they I, I don't know how they look at things with a straight face and claim that they're making any kind of progress. I do not know if there was an attack no. on American soil now, what Joe Biden would even do about it unless it was some of these nut job right wing extremists. Because oh, they gotta the, make the greatest threat to American democracy, you mean? The Yeah, they, they gotta make everything a right wing threat. And you know, even some of the things you saw out of the press. I don't know if you saw the the report coming out of CNN where on August fifteenth, the CNN female reporter was in her regular civilian so clothes reporting. The next day, she's in a hijab. I did. And he's yeah. like, "Well, the the Taliban have been have been mostly friendly. I, that must be one of those mostly peaceful protests kinds of things, because I don't know how you look at such a despotic regime. Plus,
0: I don't know. Did you see the images Motherfuck. of the, the folks falling off the planes from the runways? Yes, that's probably set. That probably set me off more. I had I was having a really hard time emotionally and and mental mental health wise watching that. I yeah, really was. It, We have
2: for for everybody who who bitches about this country, there are people clinging to airplanes so tightly that they'll end up falling from 2000 feet in the air and dying, trying to get to this country and escape that kind of oppression and tyranny. that The Taliban have. I bet you would not switch places with them watching those images that is going to be, you know, forget the helicopter taking off from the embassy for Afghanistan. That was that's the iconic image from Vietnam. The the image that's going to be associated with this is going to be from those those poor people that were falling out of it, falling off of the side of airplanes from a thousand or 2000 feet in the air and dying because they were so desperate to get out of the country. Now the Taliban
0: are coming back. Yeah, what a great legacy to have as a president, you motherfucker. That's 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 the image I'll carry with him for the rest of my life. As far as his presidency goes, that's the image I will associate with him. You know, I was I am I'm older than you, but uh, you're old enough to appreciate um, the last great lion of the 20th century. Ronald Reagan. First president that I remember the election. Yep. And I was blessed to have him as one of my idols in my life. And one of my heroes, not that he was a perfect man or made a lot of, you know, all perfect decisions. But what I remember about him is just, you know, when I think of him, I think of like the point he gave during D-Day. These are the boys of Point Du Ho. you know, uh, that beautiful stirring speech he gave at d days at the anniversary or the Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall or the shining city on the hill speech. Those beautiful glowing he actually things called the Soviet Union an evil empire and evil meant it. Empire. And all the leftist media freaked out. Yep, But he was right, wasn't he? And he won the Cold oh, War. And he, he saved, I believe, I truly believe that he was providential like so many Americans in history, like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and MacArthur and Patton and the right guy at the right place at the right time that he literally turned the world around like Patton did. I'm Patton. We've talked about this on the on the other thing. You know, Patton Patton was largely responsible for winning World War II against the Germans. He was the right guy at the right place. I don't think it's coincidence that he died three days after the surrender and all that shit, you know, in a car accident. Um yeah. Because his, his, his work here was done. Um, there is, I, I just hope that next person steps up, Russ, because we've had that in history. Um, people, I'm old enough to remember how bad the country was in the late 70s uh, before Ronald Reagan, how bad the military, what shape the military was in before Ronald Reagan put all the money into it to remake it and redo it. And we actually started doing things right again out of that horrible post Vietnam era. I know we were going to talk about global aspects of this, but we always get off on these tangents, but it's really important to me. This is, this is where I live. I love this country. I think probably more than I've ever loved anything in my life, other than my dear mother and maybe my coon hound. <laughs> um, and just as much in many ways. And it fucking breaks my heart, bro. It yeah. fucking breaks my heart to see this. And I'm getting emotional. And I apologize. But well, look, I, but I lost some fucking friends over there, man. man and look, uh, I, it fucking kills I me. still believe I still believe in the idea
2: of America. I'm not sure I believe in so much in a lot of the people of America any longer. I believe in some of them, but we've been through we've been coddled so much. Yeah. so shielded and protected that we don't understand the way the world works anymore and what's required. We are so selfish and looking inward that we are, you know, just shoving off people that that we were under obligations to uh previously. And so I'm ashamed of a lot of the people that have come about with this. You mentioned the late 70s. Reagan was the first president I remember getting elected. I remember at first not understanding. I was afraid when Reagan was going to get elected that things were going to change so badly and there were going to be police in my home and stuff. I was seven. I didn't understand the change in power. Right. Um, I, but when Reagan took over and you're remember, Jimmy Carter tried to paint him as a, a warmonger and a crazy person. And this was Jimmy Carter who led us into stagflation and the boycott of the Moscow Olympics and you know just I ran, I ran uh Iran uh, hostage hostage situation. Yeah, I want to go back to one thing you said earlier, though. Um rebuilding the military is gonna take more than money this time. Whoever comes in, look the military has got a decent amount of money now. All right, they're not being defunded like some of the police departments are, although Lord only knows what Biden and some of his far-left. Buddies like AOC and Rashida Tlaib uh, and Chuck Schumer would want to do to the military. But what needs to happen in the military is a complete reworking of the command levels. It does remind me, if you look back at history of pre-World War II, we had a bunch of very incompetent uh, generals and admirals in charge pre-World War II. Right. They had come in, gotten promoted through a peacetime promotion system and then yep. when the shit hit the fan they showed that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing but when actual warfare hits you have to go to competence remember George Patton was in the doghouse when World War 1 started I mean World War 2 started and yep, yep. they brought him out because they had no choice look back to the civil war Ulysses right. S Grant was out on the beach and he got brought back because they needed a man like that to win the civil war we we need a complete restructuring and retooling of the upper echelons of our military ranks. Uh, Mark Milley is incompetent. Um, A lot of our division commanders are incompetent and I know a lot of them. Okay. I know a lot of the, the upper echelons and there is, it is true that as you progress through the ranks to full bird colonel, it's fairly formalized promotion machinery. There's still bullshit. I think involved in that promotion machinery in terms of what I don't mean bullshit in terms of favoritism. I mean, bullshit in terms of what people consider important. You know, you can be the greatest strategic thinker in the world, but damn, you better be able to run fast. Um, uh, a friend of mine who did not get promoted to Lieutenant Colonel, but was super intelligent and a great strategic thinker and went to what's called the school of advanced military science. Um, he, he, He just had the wrong brigade commander at the wrong time and ended up getting passed over for promotion. Meanwhile, I saw some of the schmucks that served with me make lieutenant colonel and full colonel. And I'm like, well, they had the right ribbon on their chest and they worked for the right general on their OERs. But once you move from colonel to brigadier general and beyond, it's all political at that point. I don't know if you've ever read Colin Powell's autobiography. Uh, I did my American journey. Yeah. Where he talks about there's promotion systems and then there's promotion systems. And he talks about how an evaluation he got when he was an assistant division commander should have ended his career. But at the general level, it was more other generals around knowing him and knowing his Raider is how he overcame that. So it's become, it it is a good old boy. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. There's benefit to, to doing that. The problem is that since leadership promotes in its own image, It only takes one bad apple to get through and then the entire system is fucked. And I, that's a lot of what's happened. We haven't had to face a a true existential threat in a while. And we got people that are so, especially at the upper echelon, so eager to kiss the ass of those who they think are going to be in charge and of the press that they have forsaken what the military is supposed to do. And I, I, it makes me feel really sad. And everyone wants to talk about, we got the greatest military in history. Yeah, but it's got to be used properly. And if it's not used properly, like the Afghan military in Afghanistan, then it's worthless. And right now, the only thing protecting us is we've got two really big oceans on either side of us. But we're also a global power, and there are places around the world where our force is necessary, whether it's the South China Sea, where 60% of the world's economic traffic goes through, or it's Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Kuwait where the largest proven oil reserves in the world exists, any of those places, we have to be able to back it up. And if we are not because we are being led by a uh, shallow, weak person, then you know what's going to happen is, and I know this sounds dramatic, but the forces of darkness, Russia, China, Iran, uh, they're going to end up taking over the world. And that unfortunately has been what most of human history has been is the people, those kinds of powers have been the ones in charge. The United States being the light of the world since
0: 1945 has been the exception to world history, not the rule. Right. You, you know, I'll, I'll throw this in since we got off on this, not a tangent, it's all very relevant. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a former military history professor. I don't know if you know that about me. I don't I, know if I've ever I've heard that, that once or twice. I don't know if I've ever mentioned I don't know if you ever saw that. I don't know if you knew that. Now, um, one of the things that I emphasized in my military history classes is the Phoenix effect that the United States military, the Army in particular, from my point of view, because I study that much more than the, the whole armed forces intricate network. But the Army in particular waxes and wanes over its competency in 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 history and just give you just give all of you a quick rebuttal, maybe this or not rebuttal, but a quick primer on this and maybe make some of you feel better about history. Uh, Russ Russ was right on the money when you said, you know, where the ineffective army that we had Look, all the way back to our first like. Uh, when we, we were starting doing nation power building was the Spanish-American War. And when the Spanish-American War was declared by by Hearst and uh, Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> the secretary of the Navy at the time, basically, and the whole, uh, remember the main thing, which was fake, by the way, Um it to get us into that war but we wanted to engine. we wanted to become a global superpower now when that war started there was about 120 active duty officers all hanging out at fort leavenworth and a few scattered throughout the country we had a standing army of about 30,000 untrained guys because we hadn't done shit in so long so we had to hurry up and mobilize and spanish-american war wasn't a perfect deal the whole the whole charge up of san juan hill is actually kind of a uh, a myth they matter of fact there was no horses they walked up it and uh and it wasn't even san juan hill it was a hill next to san juan hill but anyway the point is after that the military got a little moxie because we want to we want to we want a couple of fights in cuba and then we were, were pershing was in the philippines and pershing one of the great heroes in history hey, so he was quick, in the philippines go ahead wait, do you remember what happened when we took guam i do yeah i know About, go ahead
2: tell the story just so folks don't know. Yeah, we we hadn't fought a, a war since the Civil War. We were trying to feel our oats, but the Spanish were just God awful and didn't really understand what was going on. We had a, a military armada show up outside of Guam and start shooting. And the Spanish on the Guam did not know that there was a war between Spain and the United States. And so when our troops came ashore, their commander came out. And basically apologized to the American commander for not returning the American commander's gun salute. Great. And then the American commander turned around and was like, uh, dude, surrender to us. We're here to take over Guam. Um, a little more complicated than that, but that's I, I had to throw that in because it was one of the funniest things I had ever heard about when I read that they were embarrassed. They didn't return our gun salute, but they didn't know we were
0: at war. Right. No, it's, yeah. And we prevailed in that, you know, it wasn't some huge global conflict, but we prevailed in that. We caught, we, you know, it was definitely our first uh, try at the, at the national stage and we managed to prevail. Pershing did an amazing job in the Philippines, but Pershing, and this is not, this is not an anecdote. I've researched this heavily. That whole thing about him killing 50 Muslims and putting him in a, in a trench grave with the, with pig blood to, to quell the, uh, to quell uh, all the uh, insurgency. That's true. Pershing fucking did that. Pershing was a badass blackjack. And of course, you know, Pershing was the uh, allied commander, the expeditionary force commander in World War One. When we started out in World War One, we had nothing. And we went into World War One without even gas masks, or artillery or anything like this. But what they what Pershing taught was toughness, bravado and and moving fast and striking hard, which became because he's was, he was tutelaged by the great. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember this, but Patton was his chief of staff in World War One. I. I did not and, know that. Yeah. So Patton got his moxie from working for Pershing because Pershing was the blackjack, of course, the 10th Cavalry commander. He was a cavalry officer, and he thought in terms of moving forward, not stopping, no such thing as defense, move, move, move. And that's been the American army overriding uh, axiom since. We, we, we managed to save the world in World War One by contributing, and he kept his people together as an expeditionary force instead of dividing it up among the trenches like the English and French wanted. And he said, nope, I'm, I'm the Allied uh, expeditionary force commander now, fuck off. World War II, same thing. We had no standing army that was worth a shit. Uh, We were like 16th in the world in terms of size. We were. Yeah, 16th in the world. And then all we became this killing machine, mostly due to American bravado. And that's one of the reasons I played that patent thing at the beginning, because it wasn't even about tech. We were way out technologied by the Germans, especially. um, But we had balls the size of goddamn watermelons, and we just had the same attitude. Even okay, Korea. What we had is a bunch of lazy people living in Japan that were veterans from the Korean War, and they got rid of ninety percent of the standing army from World War II. We were down to about ten percent of the strength when we went into Korea, and and you know what happened in the early stages of Korea? We went in there largely untrained. Task Force Smith. Task Force Smith. The North Koreans ran right over the fucking top of us, and I hate to say it. The love of my life the great Gary garrion the great seventh cabaret you know the story about that the uh, truck it was in the guidon was burnt it wasn't stolen but it was burnt they lost their guidon in that initial fight came back out of the ashes like a phoenix and um macarthur stepped up to the plate this has been the history of the united states army so those of you that are worried about that you should be worried but i'm going to tell you that the right leadership and the right mentality we've over, we've had these lulls in history before Far worse. At least we have the personnel, at least we still have the technology in place right now. You are right that I think what needs to happen is a reverse enema of the leadership and the idealism and this bullshit. Get rid of I tell you what, if if I was God for a day, well, I am a god, not the god, but (laughs) if I was that guy, I would just Not allow any type of social justice bullshit, none of this social anything bullshit into my army because we are the guardian class. If anybody's read Plato's Republic, and if you haven't, kill yourself, but go read it now. And he talks very specifically about how the guardian class is absolutely set aside from the trials and tribulations of of modern culture and normal society because they have to be because of the jobs that we had. And the soldiers that are out there now have are so completely different than what we were used to in, in common courtesy and, and culture that it has to be different. There's no place for it. There's no place for it. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. We don't need to get into the lack of racism or the lack, lack of what you see in modern culture stuff in the military and the you know shared common values, core values. We don't need to get into that. But I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what you're saying and let everybody out there know that this is not new. OK, this this the wax and wane and the low tide and high tide of military competency and all that stuff. It's a part of our history. What has always happened in history, though, is that the right leadership recognized this and American bravado and and that that fucking macho. know, I don't even want to say macho because the female soldiers have the same thing. That patriotic verve has always won the fight where you're coming from, I think not to put words in your mouth now is. What if that's never coming back again? What if that gut belt tightening fucking let's go fuck somebody up because we're Americans ideal is dead forever because of the effect that the left has had on this culture?
2: Uh, it, it might come back, but here's my here's my fear on that. In order for it to come back, it's going to require a catastrophic event. Yeah. It's going to require something that's going to where we where we have no choice but to but to buckle down. And, and make it work right. Um, I, I think back to before I went into Iraq in the invasion of OIF-1. Um, but you remember how it was like back in Garrison when you needed ammo um, is and you were going out on range. You had to sign for it and triplicate account for every round. You were policing stuff. You were getting all the pins. Um, you were drawing range fans. I mean, Well, we still do range fans in combat to make sure. Not to, not to, to mention the ammo forecast that you had to put in for the year and all that. Fucking yeah, and, and you had to do all this stuff you know, get, the, get just inside the range uh, markers just right, only advance on certain things. Um, I got to Iraq, and they knew, all right, you're getting ready to go into the shit. That crap disappeared. It was, here's your pallet of ammo. Divide it up as you need to. Hey, we right, right, need to take right. that building? Okay, mortars go, tow missiles go, um, let's get the Apaches overhead, let's send guys in there with grenades, and let's shoot some shit. And it wasn't any of this pussyfooting around now it kind of started to become that near the end once it was very clear that we were going to uh completely wipe the floor with the iraqi army then the lawyer started getting back involved that was that a legit you know combat engagement or all that other bullshit but again they weren't on the front lines i remember i had a, a lawyer uh a lawyer and a lawyer clerk try and lecture my company on how to properly search a an EPW that's an enemy prisoner of war. And we just like, uh, thanks. We got it. Just, you need to go away. And they were actually upset about that. And I'm like, well, you know what? You, we're the war fighters. You're not, but I think it's going to take a catastrophic event. And I only hope it's one can we can recover from. I don't want to see that kind of catastrophic event. I hope it never ever comes to that, but it unfortunately might be inevitable now because of stuff like this. The p- problem is we, we show our ass people think, Oh, now we can, Now we can do something. And that's the old Patrick Swayze uh, thing from point break is, you know, basic dog psychology. You get them peeing down their leg, they submit.
0: But if you project weakness, you draw aggression. That's how people get hurt. Well said. Well said. Yeah, no, I think that's important to bring up. Um, I pray for the country, Russ. I do. I pray for the soul of this country. Fortunately, where I, where I, well, I, Don't know where I live right now, but uh, because I'm traveling (laughs) in my little my little uh, my little comfort box and the people that I that I go see and I hang out with. um, I I can tell you the one good aspect that I see from these uh, fucked hearted children that are in charge of our country from every aspect of it, from the legal system all the way up to the military and the presidency. Now, this has fired a lot of people up and the people that I'm around and that I talk to. I mean, I'm in heavy, heavy, heavy. Blue collar conservative territory where I'm I'm from and the area and my friends, so it's not it's not not understandable. But people are pissed the fuck off. You know, I showed some emotion earlier and my anger and all of that. I, almost everybody I know feels that way out here. Uh, I'm sure in your your area, Tennessee, you you get a lot of that sense too. Uh, it's one of the areas of the country that hasn't been completely fucked over, and my 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 area of the country never will be. I just saw a. Uh, I was at a friend's ranch that they live off the, off the grid, friend of the, uh, friend of the pod, Jen and her husband, Tom. And, uh, boy, man, I, they got, they got, they got, uh, pretty much got a yard markers set up out there for people coming <laughs> onto their property and, uh, they're wonderful people, but don't fuck with them. And those people are still alive and that's where it's going to have to come from. It's, it's the, the dumb people who got in charge of social media and started putting their opinions out there are going to have to just get their ass kicked and shut the fuck up and let the adults handle it. Let the adults handle it. Yeah, I think
2: I, I think the vast majority of the American populace, what they really want is to be left alone. If, they, if things can go on autopilot for them, um, they're they're perfectly fine with whoever's in charge. But there is a certain line that will create a backlash. And remember, Joe Biden, as you know, as much as I liked Trump's policies, I recognize that he said some cringy things. You know, sure. he could be a little bit off kilter. Sure. And Joe Biden was not elected to be far left, you know, progressive, even further left than FDR. He was elected because he wasn't Trump and he was supposed to bring a return to normalcy. And we've got Afghanistan. We've got the uh, uh, critical race theory stuff. We've got the the COVID craziness and people are starting to say, and people I know who are kind of starting to be remorseful, like, Whoa, this, this is not what we signed up for. We signed up so we wouldn't have the chaos of Trump You know, thinking something and then immediately saying it, and people kind of going, "Mm, "Maybe he shouldn't have said that." We weren't signing up for you to tell our children that they're oppressors or oppressed, or to tell everybody they have to wear a face covering, or to lose a war that we had. Essentially, we had won, especially at least at the tactical level for the last almost twenty years. We didn't sign up so that you know China can can start marching across across Asia, or that we could. You lose our energy independence. We didn't sign up for that. What the heck are you doing? And now my worry is that that kind of anger may fade by 2024. I think this will be fresh enough in the minds in 2022. Um, whether it fades by 2024, I don't know. But if they keep all this other stuff up, it, it's it's going to remain fresh. Parents will push back. People who don't want to go this far, this fast, or even go this direction are starting to push back. You're starting to see the backlash. And it'll be interesting to see how it manifests.
0: I think 2024 is a given based on this, even even though it's we're a long ways away from that. I mean, I think I honestly think Rick DeSantis is going to be the next president of the United States. I really, truly do. I hope um, so too. And I I am so impressed with that guy that he could pilot my cock anytime, even though I'm straighter <laughs> than the machine that makes arrows. But uh, no, I am I am incredibly impressed with that guy. I, I think It'll be interesting to see who the running mate would be. A lot of people think he might be the vice president. I've, I've heard the theory that Trump is going to run. DeSantis would be the vice president. That Trump would step aside for the next term because he's getting up there in age and, and DeSantis would run. I've heard that theory. It's not a bad theory. Uh, I'm still... I'm still hopeful somebody like Dan Crenshaw might step into that vice president role. He's still pretty young in the politics game, but goddamn, he's smart and goddamn, he's common sense. And yeah, I have a boner for him because he's a, you know, a wounded seal and the whole nine yards. But he's still goddamn smart and common sense. Yeah. Um, I I know this this kills you, but there's a certain senator in Texas that I still really really like, and I, I wish people realize how brilliant of a constitutionalist and and, uh, I, and a libertarian. I live man. with Ted Cruz. I like Ted Cruz, but we
2: got to be fair. Ted Cruz does come off as a used car salesman. I like him. I like his policies, but he's got to work on some of that, you know, I'm too slick for my own good I politician agree. look.
0: Do you, do you, do you listen to
2: his uh, podcast by the way? I, I do not. I, I've heard him. He's been on uh, backstage with uh, daily, the daily wire folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard him on, on that a couple of times, but again, I have some limited time. So I haven't had a chance to, sure. to look at all you- that.
0: I would, I would. I had a couple of uh, shout outs for the podcast that I, that I wanted people to uh, listen to. I'll just do that right quick right now. But if you're not listening to, uh, oh, what's, what's Ted Cruz's? Let me get the name here. It's right in front of me, bro. Give me just two seconds here. I'm Michael sorry. Michael um, Yeah, Michael Knowles does it with him. The name is The Verdict. Yep. Um, As people know that he uh, he argued in front of the Supreme Court very successfully, very many times. He's a brilliant legal mind and he's a fucking cool guy. I mean, if you just listen to him talk on that podcast, you get a different sense of him then. And he's fearless in the Senate. I mean, he's the guy that's like he was like the first one to not wear a mask. And, you know, um, calling out Nancy Pelosi and, you know, calling her basically, hey, Putin, you can't you can't. You can't put people in jail for not wearing a mask in, in the Capitol building. You can't do that. It's, but um, there's also, I don't know if, do you know, I just want to throw this out real quick. I know this is, we've been on for a, a bit and I think we're only going to get to one topic today, but that's all right. Um, uh, Jason Whitlock. Are you familiar with him? The sports writer.
2: I, I know Jason Whitlock. Funny story. The first time I heard Jason Whitlock, I actually thought he was a far leftist. Um, I, did too. I did too. It was, it was him. It was a column he wrote in the Kansas City Star about gun about gun violence, and Bob Costas quoted it on Sunday Night Football. And so it took me a little bit to, to really pay more attention to Whitlock. And when I did, he's not a far leftist. He's a traditionalist. Um, he is, he may not be exceptionally politically savvy, but he is far more conservative than the impression that he gives. So yeah, I've I've listened to Whitlock. I like I like Whitlock a lot. I wish he was still on Fox Sports One, because I really liked listening. To, uh, to him and Marcus Wiley. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, they were good. I, yeah. I would have preferred that as opposed to him going over to the blaze just because I don't have a lot of time to to listen to the blaze. Um, I am, just to back up for just one second, uh, and this may get me crucified by part of the audience, I hope not. Look, if Trump got the nomination in 24, I would obviously vote for him. I'm hoping he doesn't run. Um, I, I, I think that that's going to create a, a, a schizoid rift, in the public, if he runs and he's running against, you know, Joe or Kamala, so I I do worry. What I would what I would prefer Trump to do is be the kingmaker. He could right. anoint Ron DeSantis, even if he just got out of the way. DeSantis would be the would be the nominee. Um, I would like to see DeSantis run with uh, Tim Scott or Nikki Haley or Dan Crenshaw or Joni Ernst. Yeah, but um, I,
0: I like all those choices. I like all those choices. To be yeah,
2: honest. I, I used I used to like Christy Noem. I think she'd still be okay. The problem was that she went a little bit soft on some stuff up in uh, up in South Dakota. So she made waves. and yeah. she back. Mitch backs off. Surprisingly. So. Surprisingly. What do you yeah, think so of I, Haley Barber? What's that? What do you think of Haley Barber? Um, he's not very relevant in politics today. That's uh, no. just that's just the fact. That's a, um, that's
0: a vice president name that gets tossed around every now and again too. Still, yeah, so. but
2: I, I think I think. To be honest, I think the strongest choice right now based on his rebuttal to the state of the union would be uh, Tim Scott.
0: I yeah. think Tim Scott would be the ideal choice. I just don't want to be that guy that puts a black guy in there to 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 uh, Kamala. I think he's bright, but he's got he doesn't have any uh, federal experience except for his his one term so far. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, a lot of folks, I'm
2: not I don't care about a lot of federal experience on folks. He's got experience. I think he's exceptionally intelligent. Um, I don't care that he's He's black, white, whatever. I just i I thought his State of the Union response was forceful. I thought it was dynamic. I thought it was deep. Um, Dan Crenshaw is another one that uh, that I'd like to see. He's very smart. He's a veteran. He uh, he was wounded. He's very well spoken. Um, now I don't. They, they might put Crenshaw on the ticket. if They feel the need to secure Texas. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing, like I said, Joni Ernst up there. I've been a big Nikki Haley fan for a while, uh, although she's, Me too. Me too. she's going back to Earth a little bit, but I, I still would would not mind seeing her on the ticket. But like you said, and because if, if you notice all the news, all the negative news coverage about covid is focused on Florida because the media and the Democrats. But I repeat myself, are scared to death of Ron DeSantis <laughs> because don't be redundant. Off, Yeah. Florida would be in the bag. Texas would be in the bag. You wouldn't have to defend those states. And it'd be interesting to see what his appeal is in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania.
0: Hey, you know, we might as well forget Rick DeSantis because nobody in the Republican Party is ever going to nominate a brown person ever. It's never going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Yeah, that's um... And and what's funny is I'm just thinking about this. You know, and, and, you know, I hate even considering this, but if I want to if I want to do things with my with a left leaning mind, which I don't fuck that shit. But let's see about four of the people we just mentioned, they're people of color as the phrase as the phrase uh, or at least um, partially people of color like Kamala Harris, you know, um, or Barack Obama. At least uh, we've mentioned, I think, four people for possible presidential vice presidential, presidential candidates. Huh? Weird, weird. Uh, yeah, That's
2: fucking I white supremacist, races,
0: huh? I mean, Republicans are all are all bigots, aren't they? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, fuck Rick. No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One of my favorite guys, Senator Ted Cruz, whose parents are Cuban immigrants who fled the Castro administration. Hello. You but, know, but the, the Q, Cuban immigrants are not considered, you know, in part of the intersectional, co- the intersectional coalition, because right. they vote Republican because they vote Republican because they're yeah, they, they love this country. And May, maybe if if Joe or Kamala doesn't work out,
2: you know, it will be enough time for Andrew Cuomo to rehabilitate his image and he could start to run. I mean, <laughs> he'd been up there, he has been up there, you know, God. killing grannies and smacking fannies.
0: <laughs> is there a worst human being on planet earth to listen to talk? Could you believe I, we're obviously switching subject, which is fine. We can revisit this Afghanistan thing in the next pod. And I do want to talk COVID maybe in the next pod fairly extensively. Yeah. Cause I've, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of information. I've been researching and, and thinking about, but, um, um, Oh, I just completely lost my train of thought. So, uh, Cuomo listening yeah. to him talk and that self nominated, I am the creepiest motherfucker on planet earth. Look, I know people of other ethnic groups. I had, I had a, there was a family I grew up with who's you'd walk in the house and you get kisses planted on your cheek by the parents. Everybody hugged. Everybody did stuff like that. I get it. People have different propensities. Um, I am not that guy. My family was not that guy. I mean, my mom and I hugged each yeah. other, but my my family was not physical or my family didn't even say nice things to each other for fuck's sake. You know, it's like uh, um, as I as I used to like to joke, my family had a lot of oral sex, which means we said, fuck you two a lot. You two a lot each other. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, and I'm exaggerating. I, there's a lot of wonderful things about my family and, and all that. But, uh, you know, I had, I had I had friends like that. But the fact that he has so little self-awareness that he doesn't realize how fucking creepy it is for a 65 year old man to run his fingers down somebody's back or any of that shit or grab somebody's face. Uh, Fuck off. Fuck off. Put your, put your heritage on hold for a while. I mean, like, I'd like to joke with people. If I, if I actually just lived out my heritage, then I would just want to commit genocide on the entire planet. Right? I mean, that's a joke, everybody. That's a fucking joke. But um, or build really fast highways and have nice cars that go 200 miles an hour. You know, it's the other side of it. Um, joke, everybody. joke, everybody. You, Hitler built the autobahn. That's what I'm referring to. That that old joke. Um, but he's just the creepiest motherfucker on planet Earth. And I'm actually surprised he resigned. I was actually surprised. I thought he was I, would, I was shocked. He, I was shocked he actually
2: went through with it. I, I'm thinking that the Democrat leaders in uh, in New York came to him and said, "We're going to have to impeach you." Um, that's the only reason he did. I was surprised they went that far, but I've heard because, I mean, I thought he would pull a Ralph Northam just wait out the storm and eventually people would forget about it. Um, but you got to look at the difference between New York and Virginia in Virginia, Ralph Northam. If he had gone, Justin Fairfax was next. Justin Fairfax had a sexual, still has a sexual assault scandal that has been tamped down on the next would have been the attorney general, Mark Herring, And Mark Herring has a photo in blackface. So if Northam goes, Herring's going to have to go. And the fourth in line at that point was the speaker of the House uh, of Delegates in Virginia. And he was a Republican. So they weren't going to let those dominoes fall. But in New York, Cuomo was backed up by uh, I think her name is Kathy Hockule. Yeah. Yes. um, Yes. the, The lieutenant governor. And, you know, the vast majority of the General Assembly in New York is made up of Democrats, including their speaker. So. Uh, and Letitia James, the attorney general, is a Democrat. They were in no danger of losing power in that state. Um, right. Now, I do think that in three or four years, maybe, um, they're going to come to regret that because they're going to think – they they still believe that Andrew Cuomo would have been a viable presidential candidate for twenty four <laughs> or
0: 2028.
2: Right. Um, right. And they have expressed regret over shit-canning Al Franken, um, over him grabbing uh, Leanne – I think. I want to say it was Leanne Tweed. I might be wrong, but her boobs on aircraft and kissing the women at the show, at the USO shows and stuff. Oh, what they're, the hell is her name? What the hell is her name? I, I, have, I have to look it hey, up. Go ahead. Go ahead. They, they've been expressing regret over tossing him overboard so quickly that I would not be surprised if they expressed regret about uh, tossing Cuomo overboard. But I mean, one of the other reasons I was surprised, not just Ralph Northam. I mean, Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton was getting on with an intern in the Oval Office, and he didn't go, and he left office, and everybody – and folks still loved him, although that might have been the reason that Al Gore lost to Bush in 2000. Well, that and the fact that Al Gore is about as you know full of life as a mannequin, but it, it was – the fact that some of these folks let it, you know, just let time pass, I was surprised Cuomo didn't do that. When we hadn't heard anything about the sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations in a few months, I thought he had ridden out the storm. And then Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, just absolutely, you know, threw a thundercloud over that.
0: Right, right. And, I mean, that's the now going back. Real- that came out of left field. That kind of came out of left field to me because I thought it was all over with. Like typical, typical. Uh, before you make your point, just typical fucking bullshit scandal on the left. Um, they just forget about it. They just file away. Where if, if somebody on the right does even one percent of what somebody in the left does, you know, uh, not to get off target, please, please keep your thought. But like Hunter Biden and the latest thing that came out with the video where he's talking to the hooker okay, and yep. yep Do you I have never seen anything about that on MSNBC, not that I watch these things or that it's not on mainstream media. The only place I've heard about it is from podcasts that I listen to from and I don't listen to just everybody out there. I don't listen to white nationalist podcasts. I'm not just a I'm not a Republican, so I'm not. But I listen to smart people. I like to listen to smart people. And there's a few podcasts from people on the left that I really enjoy. I really do. Thoughtful people. I shouldn't even say maybe on the left, but liberal people that I enjoy the only place I've heard about this latest Hunter Biden thing where he's talking about losing all these laptops and everything that's happened to him, where he's fucking on crack and talking to a hooker. And he's like, maybe we should make a porn tape. Anybody out there listening to podcasts know about this story because it's real and not one. Se- imagine, imagine Donald jr. <laughs> having done something. But, but see, that goes back to the point I was going to make.
2: Yeah. Um, Letitia James dropping this bomb on Andrew Cuomo shows me that for all her posturing and all this other stuff, they don't have anything on Trump because if she had a, a single thing on Donald Trump, she could charge, you know, based just on what she did to Andrew Cuomo, she would have come out swinging against Donald Trump. And I, you know, she's been digging for it. He's been out of office for eight months, bro. Yeah. So, you know what they, I'm saying? They, so yeah, you, if you there was anything, they would have they would done it. Um, if, if she had anything substantial, it'd be out there as opposed to just we're continuing the investigation. But Cuomo I mean, first of all, Cuomo, it doesn't help when you piss off a lot of people and, you know, people think that you're generally an asshole. Um, But one of the other one of the other issues I have with the sexual harassment, sexual assault stuff with Andrew Cuomo. Look, you know that the the news media in New York and the folks in the administration knew all about this shit. This is not just, you know, you know, 17. I think it was 17 women just came out of nowhere and accused him of it. I mean, these whispers had to have been going around in Albany for almost a decade, and then it suddenly comes out. So it makes you say how complicit were the media, how complicit were some of the toadies in the administration of Cuomo that just hushed this thing up and didn't say anything because they were they either liked his politics or they were too busy trying to hold on to their little slice of power.
0: Absolutely, it kind of reinforces what happened when uh, when Justice Kavanaugh got nominated, and that whole debacle where they went after Justice Kavanaugh with these with these fucking fake news women who said, "Oh, you know, he molested or whatever, you know, gang bang and all this kind of thing." Yeah, really. So you don't think a well, who and he was considered. He unfortunately hasn't really done much for the conservative thinking people in this country as far as from his seat as a justice. Uh, he's much more left of center, I think, in some of his uh, votes. He's on an Supreme Anthony Board. Kennedy clown. He is. He is. But all that aside, uh, when he got nominated and we all know the scandals about what came out with that, you don't think that that shit, if that shit was real, that hadn't been out on the out on the steps where somebody who was an appellate court judge and somebody who in relative positions of power way before that a guy who was considered a fairly right-wing constitutionalist judge. You don't think that would have come out. You don't think that would have come out. Really? Go fuck yourself. You, you
2: mark my words. The next, the next Democrat that is nominated to the Supreme court uh, probably would probably replace Stephen Breyer because Breyer's getting, getting up there in age and the left is pushing for him to retire. Most Ricky tick. Um, because they're afraid that if the Republicans retake the Senate in 2022, they won't be able to get a, a liberal justice on the bench. I think Breyer's going to retire next summer, not this summer, because it'll still give them enough time to get get an associate justice nominated before the elections. Um, but uh, with with regard to to whoever they nominate, whoever the Democrats nominate, you mark my words they are guilty of uh necrophiliac of being a necrophiliac and incestuous and have gang banged,
0: you know, pigs and goats. That's the way it's going to be treated. Get that drop. I, I need to get that drop. Hold on. Let me get that drop. <laughs> yeah. um, That's going to be our intro. That's going to be our intro from now on.
2: Yeah. Look, the Republicans have put up with this shit too long. They, they tolerated it with Clarence Thomas because it was brand new and they brought it up again with with Brett Kavanaugh. You don't think this not going to be scorched earth next time? Is it going yeah. to be people coming out of the woodwork to, to talk about, you know, the, the kiddie porn that whatever, whoever they nominate,
0: you know, was out there peddling? Whether it's true or not, maybe it's time for the left to go through this shit. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we, we need to wrap up here in a few minutes for us. I'll give you some final thoughts. But one of the things that I have come to realize is that and we talk about this uh, tangentially and even directly sometimes, but the right has got to learn to fight with the tactics that our enemies are fighting with only better. Yep. Like those lessons we learned in the United States army when we face insurgency or, you know um, one of the things, and you were part of, of the surge that happened in Iraq. It was one of the best strategic ideas that that's happened in our in our history in the United States military. And it was effective. We weren't fighting a war posts anymore, which got us that's lost us Vietnam. We now we're doing something completely different. That worked. It worked in Iraq. The surge worked. It was brilliant. Um, The right conservative libertarian movement, which that's not all the same thing, ladies and gentlemen, educate yourself. And one of these days, Russ and I really will have a primer on libertarianism and, and natural rights and stuff like that. We'll get together and do that. But we need to have our own search. We need to figure that out. The right wing has to start fighting with fucking tooth and nail and fist instead of, well, we just want to let, you know, Mitch McConnell. We want to be gentlemen. We want to be gentlemen and gentlewomen. And, you know, the thing is, like we've said, when you let progressives progress, they never stop. They never stop. So it's time. It's time to do the the Jean-Luc Picard and say, fall back. I will not fall back. It's time to do that. It's time for a surge on the fucking conservative side of things, libertarian side of things. It is. It's time, bro. I think it's time to, to use
2: the Jean Luc Picard uh, more classy way of saying "fuck around and find out." Or right. he he was
0: threatening, he said, "You may test that assumption at your convenience." <laughs> I love that. Yes, I forgot he said that. Thank you. I, here, let me. I'm gonna. I'm going to say that the next time some bitch in the grocery store starts giving me shit about my. my <laughs> Uh, just,
2: walk, just walk somewhere in Seattle without a mask.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck. We'll well, like I said, good thing. good thing. I don't know. Did you see that, that photo I posted on Facebook of me in the security camera at a convenience store? I did. Yeah. That's what I kind of look like, I guess, to people. That's why people don't tell me to wear a mask. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, that's, that's what I look way. like.
0: And then one of my friends put up a picture of the Terminator in the convenience store, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, Oh, now I kind of get it. Yeah. Six foot three, <laughs> 250 pound man wearing the fucking open thin haircut. Now I kind of get why people kind of go do what you want, man. It's cool. Yep. And I'm not saying that to be self-aggrandizing. I think it's kind of funny and I'm actually a much nicer guy than that. Actually I'm not, you should have heard what I said to some woman in Safeway the other day, but I'll leave that for another podcast. Yeah, I'm uh, sure we can cover that next time. Yeah, we can. So, Hey, no good discussion, man. I, uh, we've been at it for a bit, almost an hour and a half. I, uh, I got some friends I need to tend to and help them out at their homestead down the road a bit and hang out with some of my friends here. So, uh, any, any parting, parting wisdom, words, mirth, merriment? No, just everyone out there.
2: Uh, if there's, I know that they say, some folks don't believe in the power of prayer, but if you can pray for our friends in Afghanistan, pray for those, those poor women that are, being subjected to child marriage again and acid attacks and being locked in their homes. Um, pray for those interpreters that work with us that are now facing execution um, and pray for our nation to recover from the incompetence that we are currently suffering because it's bad. And mark my words, it's going to get worse uh, over the course of the next year
0: and a half before it
2: starts to get any better.
0: So my, my dear departed Johanna, my mother who, you know, I, Loved more than anything in the world. She, she, uh, this is kind of funny. I'm just throwing this out here as the last little bit. She, when she was, uh, God, I remember we lived in Ording, Washington. I was probably six years old or something, five years old, six years old. She uh, had uh, a German adaptation. You know, this is back before there was the internet. A lady gave her a German book and it was the prophecies of Nostradamus. And she paid her money to translate it and handwrite out uh, the English version of it. Are you still there, bro? You seem locked up. Can you hear me? But you, you were locked up for a second. Okay. My mom once translated a German version of the prophecies of Nostradamus for a woman because, you know, my mother was from Bavaria. yeah. And uh, she swore to God and my mom, you would have loved my mom. I wish you could have met her. She was a she was an amazing woman, just a odd, wonderful, brilliant survivor, uh, grew up in Bavaria And she uh, she told me when Obama got elected, oh, uh, this is the Antichrist from Nostradamus. There he is. And it wasn't a race thing. It was just like what she'd read in the Quantrain. Idiot thing. And, yeah. And she might have been right because he certainly he certainly ushered in this whole era of race strife and what happened in Afghanistan and all this stuff. And oh, by the way, birthday party without the masks, motherfucker. OK, whatever. We'll get into that next time. Yeah. But we'll have to talk about the sophisticated people later. Yeah. Yeah. The sophisticated people don't get COVID apparently. I always thought I was smart and I fucking felt like I was going to die when I had COVID. But um, anyway, it was a pleasure to, it was a pleasure to see you face to face on the computer screen again, my friend. Hopefully we won't uh, take so long to do this next time. Yeah. I'd love to get, I'd love to try to get something out this weekend if we can, if we can get around to, because I know we, 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 uh, we got COVID talk. I have been getting beaten up by several of our, of our stalkers. I mean, fans, of uh to get a podcast out
2: yeah we'll Um, we'll try we can try to do something sunday maybe i'm gonna be gone all day saturday at a uh an event for the
0: children so what a shocker what what line is that in the formula which which one which line is that in the that That is the take the children to their sporting events formula yeah no i love it i love it god bless you god bless you that's awesome i i would love to see that maybe one of these days i can i can actually see your children at a sporting event it would do my heart good so (laughs) um last time you saw rachel she was very tiny He was tiny. Yeah. I I see photos of your kids all the time now. And it's like, God damn it. I wish I could. I'll I'll, I'll make a point to get out to, out to your neck of the woods this year. I'll make a point to whatever you can. That'd be, that'd be cool to do a one-on-one live podcast. That'd be bad. That would be, that would be almost, uh, almost too much for the audience. It would be like, I think the universe would have a like a black hole like implosion moment or something like that. (laughs) It'd It'd be a God moment. The infinite, the infinite singularity. Yes. So, t- talking about infinite, infinite similarity, I just read something in Popular Science where they created a crystal that's a time-traveling crystal with the use of quantum computers. Google that shit, guys. It's fucking fascinating shit. They actually, they, it's called a time crystal, and it and it phase shifts back and forth between the past and the future based on the spin of the atoms and stuff. It's way too much to get into here, but yeah, I was really into that. I listened to that the other night. So. The, the next time, I'll have to. Just let me leave the uh, listeners with something I decided to blow the minds of uh, the folks
2: on this one sci-fi uh, page that I, I follow. Uh, we, we talk about the, the universe and the multiverse, and usually any version of multiple universes involves bubble universes popping off of the initial singularity. Yes, uh, it does. Our universe. Very but, well familiar with this. Yes, I am. Yeah, but it, what I what I came up with is imagine if there are multiple universes, but it's not that case. We've got our singularity here that has blown up and is expanding at a rate faster than the speed of light because space, anything within space is limited by the speed of light. But space itself can expand as fast as it wants, which is why the universe is about 96 billion light years across. Christ, being, I'm
0: impressed, Russ. You're nailing this. Only being 14 I thought I was the across. physicist. I thought I was a physicist here. I'm impressed. And
2: here's... Here's the here's the mind blowing part. Imagine if there is another singularity, say, 100 quadrillion light years away through dead space and it's got its own universe forming, expanding our ways. Or if there are infinite singularities that are spread out by trillions to quadrillions to quintillions of light years, all expanding towards each other.
0: Imagine those kinds of singularities and how that would affect quantum space. It's an amazing thought. What's even more amazing, which should be reassuring to everybody listening to this podcast, that being a very prevalent theory and very popular with modern modern quantum physicists and all that, and, and across even cosmetologists, there are infinite numbers of- Cosmologists, russ- not cosmetologists. What's that? Cosmologists, not cosmetologists. Oh, did I say cosmetologists? <laughs> can say that. <laughs> That's Awesome. There's a reason I said right in that. The universe. I won't share it on the podcast right now, but there's a reason I said that. I made that faux pas. But just the, the nice thing about everybody to reassure you all is there are infinite numbers of Russes and Coops throughout reality because of that theory. Infinite. There, there's even one where Russ looks like Coop and Coop looks like Russ. I killed you and me both in that. In the- <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad we can get out of this uh out of this with a laugh pleasure to see you yeah uh, good to see you right. too man yeah we'll, i'll get this i'll get this uploaded tonight where i'm staying right now has amazing wi-fi so i'll get this uh i'll get this scrubbed It'll only take me a few minutes to get it scrubbed and we'll get it loaded and share it with the world so hey uh one of the big things you guys can help us with if you like the podcast or even if you don't if you just think russ and i are nice people or ah, fuck that nobody We're thinks not. that but if you just feel sorry for us or anything like that the big viking and the and the little uh what what should i call you i don't even know little napoleon little napoleon the big viking the little napoleon podcast um please please get on apple podcast and rate us that's the best way to spread the news that's that's more important than buying t-shirts or spending money or anything like that that's the best thing you can help us with is just uh rating us give us a five-star review um i know you hate hearing that but it it would be really helpful uh we're gonna get back on a a semi-regular schedule now i'm kind of I think I'm winding the whole road trip thing down. I'm kind of liking the idea that uh, I don't have to take a brush to my feet all the time. All the roof. State parks and shit like that. And, you know, I do have a comfortable cot and a really nice mattress that I, that I take and Huckleberry loves it, of course, but it's nice not having to run like 200 meters away to a bathroom. So you don't shit yourself. That's kind of nice. I'm just saying. (laughs) You froze up again. You still there, bud? You still there? <laughs> you froze up again for just a few, just a few seconds. That's some good podcast, though. Let's people know that you're real. Yeah, about the not shitting. Can you hear yourself? me now? Yeah. yeah you I mean said, the line about not said, shitting hey, myself, or or or? No, freezing? I just heard yep, dip, yep, dip, uh, But like I say that's good podcasting. It lets people know that you're real. We are real. We're not. We're not. Uh, we don't need a captcha to to let you know that we're not a bot. And for both fans that made it through all that that uh freezing and stuff we're glad you're still with us yeah god bless you all uh like russ said i totally agree pray for our country and even here's the hard part here's the hard part for me bro pray for our leaders pray for our people in charge pray for joe biden pray for kamala harris if you're into that sort of thing that's the hardest part don't just pray for the people you care about pray for the people you may not agree with um that's the most that's the whole idea of it, really. And its essence. Yep. It's easy it's easy to pray for people you care about. It's not easy to care pray for people you can't stand or you think are wrong, but those are the people that if the birds are Yep, those are the that's what birds are for. So I think we'll leave it here, Russ. Anything else for uh, the last minute? Uh, no, just uh you know, stay wokeless. Stay wokeless, and to grumpybastardsmerchandise.com. Bastards merchandise. Uh, um. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Love your us out here.